0: Heavenly Father, as we turn now to the Scriptures, we are mindful that men wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Help us in these familiar verses this morning to remember that this is Your Word, inspired by the Holy Spirit and kept pure through the ages for our good and gospel benefit for jesus sake we ask it amen please be seated there are a handful of passages particularly in matthew and luke that speak of the birth of christ and the bethlehem stories and this one is familiar to everybody Uh, We've just had a fabulous rendition of We Three Kings uh, by Philip Stopford. Um, That was a fabulous rendition of it. Now, let's read the story in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Then opening their treasures, they offered Him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And then there follows the account of the flight into Egypt and Herod's massacre of the children in Bethlehem, Well, so far God's holy and inerrant Word. Now this is more than just a sentimental story about three kings. This is about worship. And more than that, it's the worship of Gentiles. These three are from Persia, Iraq, Iran, today, somewhere around there. They come from the east. And they are Gentiles. Now, Matthew is writing his gospel to a largely Jewish audience, Jewish Christian audience. So sensitive is Matthew to Jewish sensitivity about using the name of God that when Matthew comes to talk about the kingdom of God, he doesn't use that phrase. He uses the kingdom of heaven. Shocking then, isn't it? to a Jewish audience that the first visitors to Jesus are shepherds, and then Gentiles from the East, not even good Jewish stock. Matthew is uh, signaling something about the Abrahamic covenant, as he does in the Great Commission at the very end of his gospel, like bookends. Because part of the covenant with Abraham was a promise that the nations of the world would be blessed through Abraham. How better to underline that than to have these Gentiles from the East come and offer their gifts and Treasures to the Lord Jesus. Now there's an issue here about timing. When did these um, wise men appear? Because of the massacre, the pogrom in Bethlehem that Herod engages in, that you read of in verse 16 and following. Because little children, unthinkable, unbelievable, that little children would be put to death up to two years of age. And that suggests to some that time has gone by. We know that Jesus would have been circumcised on the eighth day and given His name Jesus by Joseph. We know that Mary would have to purify herself for 40 days. So, this visit occurs somewhere between 40 days after His birth and up to two years. And of course, if it was up to two years, they would have gone back to Nazareth, and and they're back down in Bethlehem because this is where Joseph's family is. It's interesting that in verse 9, go and search diligently for the child. And in verse 9, come to rest over the place where the child was. And in verse 11, going into the house, they saw the child, that the Greek word that, that Matthew uses is not brephos, which would, be a, which would be the word for a baby, but paideon, which is a word That is a much wider semantic range, including the idea that he might be two years of age. Well, casting that aside, and your Christmas cards will conflate all of these together. I want us to see three things. Firstly, that these wise men came to search for the King of the Jews. Now, as I said, and we don't, we don't know, they come from the east, and that could mean a, a whole lot of things that they came from Iraq or they came from Iran. They were Persians in the former territory of Babylon. We have little clues that they were wealthy. These gifts are not the gifts of poor people, they are, they are uh, the gifts of wealthy people. We don't know that there were three, but it seems to make sense that there are three gifts, so there are three kings, three rulers. But the gifts are gifts fit for a king, because for some reason or another, they believe, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, they were... um, Stargazers. The Greek word is magi, and in the Greek translation of the book of Daniel, uh, magi is the word uh, that is used for Daniel's ability to read dreams, for example. Were they uh, engaged in some kind of astrology? that the movement and positioning of stars and constellations had significant historical uh, significance, political significance. God can use what essentially might have been a pagan idea and a pagan science and a bogus science. God could have used that. They certainly know something about Old Testament Scriptures. Among their studies, they had come across ancient Old Testament promises, promises of a king like David. Balaam in Numbers 24 says that a star will arise out of Jacob. And Daniel's prophecies evidently were well known in the ancient Near East. So, 600 years later, magi, scholars, philosophers, astrologers, stargazers, were looking for the king of the Jews. They've come to pay homage to the king of the Jews. God is using whatever general and special revelation they had access to for them to make a thousand-mile journey from Persia to Jerusalem. Of course, they'd go to Jerusalem. Where would you find a king? You'd find him in the palace in Jerusalem. Now... The star. We could spend an hour talking about astrology or talking about astronomy. And was this a star? Was this a constellation? Was this a a comet? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, There's a wonderful book by Colin Nickel with two L's Nickel. Colin Nickel. The Great Christ Comet. It's a great Christmas book to read over the Christmas holidays, and it's got pictures in it. He's a scientist. He believes it was a comet, talks about the way a comet can turn over, over tens of thousands of miles and, and appear at a certain point to be still. It's actually moving, but it's moving in the same direction, and, and to you, to the human eye, it looks as if it's still. I, I have no idea. For all I know, this was just a miracle. And I have no problems for God doing a miracle at the birth of Jesus because the birth of Jesus itself is a miracle. But it may have astronomical explanations. They came searching for the King of the Jews. Are you searching for the King of the Jews? Are you searching for Jesus? Your life is out of sorts. It doesn't make sense. You don't know which direction you're going. There are trials that are inexplicable, and you just don't know how to make sense of it all. And you've come here this morning. You've come to church this morning at Christmas time, searching for the meaning of life, searching for purpose searching for identity, you're in the right place. These kings of the Orient were searching for Jesus too. Secondly, they bowed to Jesus. They go to Jerusalem, they ask King Herod, Herod as a hissy fit with the idea that there might be a king, a usurper these leaders in the Roman Empire were unstable. It was well known, of course, for emperors and others to be killed and assassinated. And you can understand Herod's fear that a king had been born and that folk had made a thousand-mile journey to find him. So, what does he do? He summons the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes and the, and the, and the elders, and um, they say, yes, we know exactly where He is to be born. It's in Bethlehem. Because Micah, in chapter 5, made a prophecy, and it's quoted here in verse 8, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when they came to the house, not a stable now, but a house, suggesting that perhaps time has gone by, they worship Him. They worship him. Going into the house, verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They worship him, not Mary. There's no hint here of Mariolatry, there's no hint that Mary is the mediatrix. They worship the child. They gave honor and respect to Mary, but they didn't worship her. They worshiped Him. They fall down on their knees and worship Him. These are complete strangers. And they're worshiping a little child. That's astonishing, isn't it? Something. Had convinced them that the Word of God in the Jewish scriptures was true. There was nothing about Jesus that says, I'm God. You know, there's a halo above his head, he glows in the dark. (laughs) He was an infant. But they believed the scripture, they believed the Word of God. My friend, if you're searching, truth will be found in the Word of God, in the Bible. If you want to find what's true and what's false, then open the Scriptures and start reading. Maybe all, these, all that these three kings had was a smattering of Old Testament prophecies about the birth of a king. They obviously didn't have Micah. They didn't know it was going to be Bethlehem. They had the smallest possible knowledge that a king of the Jews was to be born, and that this king of the Jews would rule and reign over them. God took some Old Testament prophecies and wrote it on the hearts of these pagan kings, and they fell down and worshipped Jesus. They worshipped Him. We still worship Him. We give Him awe. We give Him our respect. We venerate Him as Lord of Lord and King of kings. We bow before Him in gratitude, and we call Him God. And they gave gifts to Jesus, thirdly, gold and frankincense and myrrh, wealth and power and perfume, and myrrh, myrrh perhaps suggesting an anointing of the dead. A little hint, perhaps, that Jesus had been born in order to die for us. That Bethlehem would inexorably lead to Calvary. That already the cost of our redemption was written into the life of this little child. That one day he would be nailed to a cross. That He would be made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be reckoned the righteousness of God in Him. There is no hint that they had any trouble whatsoever in recognizing that this little infant was God, and they worshipped Him, and they gave Him gifts. Gifts fit for a king. In contrast, do you see to the scribes and the chief priests? You'd, you'd think, you'd think that the scribes and the chief priests, once they'd heard of this story about a star that had led these wise men to Jerusalem and now lead, led them to Bethlehem, you'd think, because this is what they do. This is their job, to read and interpret the Scriptures. This was their job. You'd think they would schlep it to Bethlehem and make a five-mile trek just in case it was true. But no. They have religion, but they're dead. Religion will kill you. What will save you is not religion, what will save you is a person, this little infant, Jesus. It's quite, it's quite breathtaking and staggering, the contrast, that the people whose day-to-day job is religion have no interest in going to worship this child despite the fact that they knew the prophecy of Micah chapter 5. And that in contrast, these three pagan kings have made a trek of a thousand miles to come to Bethlehem and to bow down and worship Him and give Him gifts. What can you give Jesus today? You remember Christina Rossetti's Um, Carol in the bleak midwinter. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I'd give him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet, what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. I'll give him my heart. That's the only way to find purpose and meaning in life. My dear friend, you're a poor sinner. And there's no way that religion can take you to heaven. There's no amount of good works that can take you to heaven. You must give your heart to Jesus. Give yourself to Him. And he will make you whole. He'll take away your sin. He'll make you a new creation. He'll promise never to leave you nor forsake you. He'll take you all the way home to heaven. That's the promise of Christmas. They came searching, they bowed to him. They gave him gifts. They gave him. Themselves. That's what God wants from you and me today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for these s- stories, historical stories, true stories that happened in history But down through the centuries, they speak to us also. What can I give you, Lord? I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.